Real news. Welcome, everyone, to the Tori Says Show. I'm your host, Tori. Today is June 2nd, 2020. For some reason, I wanted to say June 7th. I don't know why, but I did. Now, what is going on in the United States, right? Didn't I tell you you're going to be pulling your hair out? How is this happening? How is this allowed to happen? Why is this happening, right? We have so many questions as to how we came to this point, but we all know the answer. The Democrats want to steal the election. None of them care about you. They will imprison you. They will lie to you. They will tell you, they will tell you that everybody else except for them is to blame. That's it. And so now we have a rhetoric happening while our nation is on fire. Literally. They will stop at nothing. So what did we hear? So we hear theories. Oh, the Russians are looting. Yeah, because the Russians are handing out bricks. The Russians are running into those stores and stealing those Nikes and iPhones and iPads, right? The Russians are pulling the gas pipes. Let me guess. The Russians are doing all of that. The three R's. Russia. Racist and rape, right? This is where they cycle the three R's. Now, yesterday evening... I tweeted out to Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez that we have infiltrated good people, solid people, God-fearing, America, American-loving people have infiltrated all of their movements. We have been sitting there gathering information, recordings, teachings, statements, the whole nine yards. Because if they're going to infiltrate and cause these insurgencies that we see, well, it goes both ways. It doesn't go one way. Busy, busy, busy. It seems like the patriots are busy, busy, busy. And the left thinks that they're going to get this. I mean, we had Cigar and Jetty say that... The Russians are blamed for the looting and the violence. Listen to this. All right, Sagar, what's on your radar? Well, the country's engulfed in flames. Tensions are high. Apparently, everybody's priors are confirmed. If you hate police and you want to burn everything down, there's a lot of cherry pick from. If you're pro-police, you want law and order, there's also plenty to choose. One thing that remains constant, though, for the Democratic Party and the elite media in the year 2020... That's, of course, Russiagate delusions. The story of how we got right back to the core conspiracy at the heart of the Democratic Party is a spellbinding and a crazy tale. In the beginning, pretty much every political person, right and left, agreed that the officers involved with George Floyd's death were murders who should be brought to justice. The country pro county prosecutor, he delayed filing charges by a few days, sparking major protests which devolved into riots on Wednesday evening, culminating in the looting of the Target store. Now, the burning down of an affordable housing complex and other areas in Minneapolis, that sparked a debate. 
The right immediately came down against the riots and looting, advocating for stronger police action against violent protesters. But the left and the media went in a different direction. It's just property, they said. People are angry. This is what justice looks like, they said. And a million people who know nothing about Martin Luther King decided to start posting his quote about how the riot is the language of the unheard. But the memo went out. Rioting and looting is fine because we agree with the underlying cause. But then the second night and the third nights happened. Minneapolis continued to burn and the country caught fire. Democratic cities around the country decided to let their cities burn and get destroyed rather than actually enforce the rule of law against a violent mob. And they realized quickly that public opinion was turning dramatically against them. And they ultimately, rightfully, will get blamed for allowing this conflagration. So they decided to do what they always do, blame Russia and white nationalists. Minnesota officials like Governor Tim Walz, the mayor of St. Paul, the mayor of Minneapolis, all repeated the line that the majority of protesters who were participating in violence were coming out of the state. St. Paul, Paul Mayor Melvin Carter even went this far. We didn't make an enormous number of arrests, but every single person we arrested last night, I'm told, was from out of state. What we are seeing right now is a group of people who are not from here. As I talk to my friends uh, who have been in this movement for a very long time, who wake up in this movement every day, and I ask them what they're seeing, what they're feeling, what they're hearing, to a person, I hear them say, we don't know these folks. We don't know these folks who are agitating. We don't know these folks who are inciting violence. We don't know these folks who are first in to break a window. Governor Walz even insinuated that organizers of the protests were organizing on the dark web. And Minnesota officials began concocting a story that really it was foreign and domestic, quote, outside forces who were responsible for the violence. Now, who do you go to when you need to launder something epically stupid? Well, MSNBC's Joy Reid, of course. Reid picked up the nonsense insinuating that Russians and white nationalists were the ones responsible for the violence in Minneapolis. It was a theory that held up for approximately one hour until local news in Minnesota revealed that jail records in the city showed the majority of those arrested were in fact Minnesota residents in Minneapolis. Furthermore, when Attorney General Bill Barr identified Antifa as one of the left-wing organizations responsible for some of the violence, Reid flipped out. She claimed that there was, quote, already documented proof that white nationalist groups were responsible for the violence, despite the predominance of the evidence showing pretty clearly Antifa, anarchists, and other normal protesters were responsible for much of the violence that we see nationwide. Even Obama's former national security advisor, Susan Rice, got in on the action a day later on Sunday, telling CNN that strife we see is, quote, right out of the Russian playbook. I'm not reading the intelligence uh, today uh, or these days. But based on my experience, this is right out of the Russian playbook as well. What? I mean, she hosts something like this. We did something like this. The United States, that is. Where we created civil unrest between Ukraine and Russia with our National Guard. Had Ukrainians killing each other just like this. Setting fires, looting, and rioting. Because there were Ukrainians that wanted to remain Ukrainians. And there were Ukrainians that wanted to be part of the European Union and the United States. So we decided we're going to go into the cash cow of Ukraine and say, no, how dare you not love the United States? 
we're going to send our rioters there. Oh, but they'll be the National Guard of California, for example. That's one of a few that were sent to fix things up in in the Ukraine. <laughs> you think that's uh, far-fetched? <laughs> Well, there's actually cables about it. So here we are where they're trying to peddle this idea, this strange idea that Russia is to blame. Yet we have video evidence. We have audio evidence that it's actually people that are in office that are pushing these ideas, that are promoting these things to happen on U.S. soil. Yet we're arresting their foot soldiers, of course, uh, because that's the way it usually goes. We arrest the foot soldiers, then we get to the big people, right? That's, that's how it goes. Because we've infiltrated that movement. Some of the things you'll see, here are some of the places. Black Lives Matter, 350, Dream Defenders, Resource Generation, Ohio Student Association, Power Shift, if not now, uh, United States Student Association, Uprooted and Rising Movement, Net Lab, uh, Working Families, and the Sunrise Movement, Kosesha, and Right to the City. Yeah, these are the participants in what they call momentum trainings. These are organizations that teach them how to riot, how to push how to create civil unrest, and how things will change to create their new normal. That is exactly what it is. So asymmetric solutions, a private sector intelligence support. They partner with the team to minimize the risk associated with costly decisions. Are you paying attention? They are very well organized, extremely well organized. And Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez yesterday was there telling people that they need to do more of this, that we need to get rid of the police altogether, abolish them completely. We need no police. What? Well, in places like New York and Chicago, your police are pretty much useless. They are not allowed to do anything. They are not allowed to save you. They are not allowed to help you. They're just supposed to be there. That's basically it. Just be there. MSNBC has lost the plot completely, too. I mean, Rachel Maddow has gone completely insane. The things she said, oh my gosh, okay, I have to play this for you guys. Like, I was listening to this and I was like, is this woman for, does she believe? This, she was like, oh, the president, how dare him mobilizing a heavily armed military. Listen to her. He heavily armed. It calls them thousands and thousands of heavily armed soldiers. And in the same breath, he shouts out that he's looking out for your Second Amendment rights, which, of course, means that you can be armed, too, against the U.S. military. Why are you positing those two things at once? Best case scenario here is that the president is having a weird, I went to a military themed boarding school for which kids fantasy here, um, out loud. Um, and they you know, cleared the streets outside the White House in that dramatic fashion so he could have his better photo op when he um, walked over to a church that had been affected by the violence in the streets and he could show off and he wanted the, he wanted the moment. Show off. Every president since forever <laughs> has been going to that church. 
That is a monument. That is a historical monument that was burnt down. And instead of you condemning that, you're talking about, oh, he wanted to show off and go there. Disgusting. This is how this, I'm not going to say it. Totally not going to, I'm not saying it. This, this, this dude, right? I'm just going to leave it at that. This dude is sickening. So best case scenario here is if the president wanted this theatrical fantasy here with no understanding of what it means to deploy the U.S. military against the American people. Best case scenario is that that's what he's doing and why, but the actual U.S. military is not going to play these Ranger games. And the worst case scenario is, I mean, this is right up there on the list for as bad as it gets. So, As bad as it gets. These people are sick. Listen to what else Zagata has to say. That shows a true sickness at the heart of these establishment Democrats. They wanted to play act revolution and protesting, looting and more until the situation actually got out of control. And the moment things actually got out of control, the only way they could actually credibly say they believe in law and order was to paint Russians and white nationalists as culprits because it's only those groups in the eyes of the left that the state is allowed to crack down on. Now, I have a better idea. The state's responsibility is to protect its citizens and keep order on their behalf, regardless of what political cause is the justification for violence on the streets. Those who justify violence, looting, and the damage that we see must live with the impact of what they tried to justify. They have to own it. They have to own the pain of this one. I live in the high-rise right back here, and I seen them as they came down Lake Street. But then they turned and started coming over here, and I'm sitting out looking in my, out my window. And they went straight to Office Max, to Dollar Store, and every store over here that I go to. I have nowhere to go now. I have no way to get there because the buses aren't running. These people did this for no reason. On a broader level, they must also own the fact they are doing tremendous damage to their own cause. The left has blown a moment where everyone from Sean Hannity to Rush Limbaugh agreed that George Floyd was murdered by advocating total anarchy instead. Now, I offer as evidence my own Martin Luther King quote. He warned in 1968, every time a riot develops, it helps George Wallace and could instead bring rightist rule. Dr. King was right, as reams of evidence that we now know points to, from 1968 showing that proximity to nonviolent protests increased overall support for an issue, while violent protests had the opposite effect and a substantial impact on Richard Nixon's reelection. So I think, Crystal, there's something you covered in your radar and something in our discussion, which is so important, is you can't blame Russians and white nationalists for the uncomfortable fact that there are people in every city, major city in America, who are protesting and in some cases turning violent. Yeah. In some cases, how's in every cases, right? We had New York City cops being run over by cars. We had a truck driver with a gas tanker, right? Gas carrying gas going through the highway protesters appeared and suddenly they want to take over his tinker and he's like nope 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 i'm just gonna go ahead and they arrested him to charge him which now they've let him go today for going through why was he going through are you insane 
You want to give these animals a gas tanker? And he would be responsible to say, well, I ran out. I didn't want to get beat up. No, drive that thing. They need to move out of the way. Drive that thing. That guy tried to save lives and they had the audacity to arrest him. Audacity. Because that's what they wanted. Get him a gas tanker. Explode things. Just like in Cleveland. Gas lines were being pulled so they could blow the city up. So the city of Cleveland is on lockdown until Friday. Curfew is in effect all day long until Friday. Nothing comes in. Nothing comes out. It's over. You can't do anything. The only people coming in or going out are residents, police and National Guard and FBI. So many of them. It's ridiculous. So this is where we're at. We're being terrorized by these people, completely terrorized. And then when they hear something like this, and I warn you, this is going to make you, I cried listening to her, but listen. So, so I know, I hope y'all know what the fuck you did. <laughs> My sister is gone and it's not from a cop. It wasn't from no fucking cop. I don't get on live and I don't care about this Facebook shit. That's what happened. That's what happened yesterday. So um, in Davenport, Iowa, a woman's uh, sister died. She was shot by a protester. They wanted to say it was rubber bullets. The police did it. And she went out there saying, no, it was you. The protester that wanted to shoot randomly, probably because she was lighter in skin. You know, the white people that bend down and say, I'm sorry for being born white. I'm sorry for my privilege. You know, those people that were out at the protests, the liberals that are the cancer of our nation. The ones that apologize because they were born. Oh, I'm sorry. I owe you everything. Your mama, your mama's mama, your mama's mama, mama were not slaves. Why are you all about this? You're in a nation that gives you everything. And unfortunately, there are very, <laughs> there were, <laughs> there are a lot of people around our nation and others that still believe that they have some superiority because of their skin color. But they are few, very few, very, very few. It's 2020. Nobody cares what you look like at all. Nobody. So what do we do now? Do we just stay terrorized and locked down? I mean, if coronavirus isn't so bad, I mean, when do we get back to work? When do we get to go places? When do we get to get back to what we want to say normal? I guess the momentum training that these clowns have undergone is going to give us a new normal. And that normal better be without Antifa. Well, it is. And Black Lives Matter. They are a terrorist organization. They are training children, children, children to go and loot things and break things. And it's children. It's disgusting. I, I can't. What have we seen? Places being burnt down. Celebrities sitting there telling you, burn it, burn it until you bring it to their backyard. Burning it down. Of course, Tucker put it, put it together so nicely. 
Some of the tape is too shocking, and honestly, it's too incendiary. We understand that television is an emotional medium, and we don't want to make things worse. We're not going to. But you get the point. The point is, this is a national emergency. It's a profound national emergency. But you would never know that from listening to our elected leaders. Almost all of them pretend this is not really happening. Or if it is happening, it's just part of America's long tradition of vigorous political discourse. Politicians on both sides tell us that this is all about the death of a man in police custody in Minneapolis last week. The people burning down our country are protesters. They're engaged in a legitimate protest. Okay, what exactly are those protesters' demands? What are they asking for? If Congress agreed tonight to enact their program, what would the program be? Not a single person even hints at the answer because there is not an answer. No one has bothered to pull the guys beating up old ladies on the street or looting Gucci. But you've got to wonder how many of them have ever even heard of George Floyd. And if they have heard of him, what difference would it make? Violence and looting are not forms of political expression. If you were killed tomorrow, how many buildings would you want burned to the ground in your memory? How many old women smashed in the face on the street in your name? None, we hope, because you're not a vicious psychopath like the people you've just watched. In fact, what we're watching is not a political protest. It's the opposite of a political protest. It is an attack on the idea of politics. The rioters you have seen are trying to topple our political system. That system is how we resolve our differences without using violence. But these people want a new system, one that is governed by force. Do what we say or we will hurt you. You know this. You can see it for yourself on television. You have. But our leaders continue to lie. They tell us that's not true. This isn't happening. It's just a protest. Some Democrats have openly embraced what is happening. Really, they don't have much of a choice. These are their voters cleaning out the Rolex store. These riots effectively are the largest Joe Biden for president rally on record. In gratitude for that, more than a dozen Joe Biden for president campaign staffers donated money to the rioters in Minneapolis, and then they bragged about it on Twitter. No Democratic leader can directly criticize what is happening right now, and in fact, some have joined in. Over the weekend, the Democratic Party of Fairfax, Virginia, which is an important Democratic organization, released the following statement on Twitter. We're quoting it. Riots are an integral part of this country's march towards progress. Progress. Burning buildings, tear gas, dead bodies, the screaming injured, criminal anarchy. To the Democratic Party of Fairfax, that is called progress. Celebrity after celebrity has weighed in to agree on social media. From his fortified compound, basketball star LeBron James has used his accounts to encourage more rioting. Bernie Sanders surrogate Sean King has done the same. So has Black Lives Matter leader DeRoy McKesson. Colin Kaepernick openly calls for violence. Here's a quote. The cries for peace will rain down, and when they do, they will land on deaf ears, he says approvingly. Imagine shouting fire in a crowded theater, a theater with 325 million people in it called our country. That's what they've been doing and have been doing for days. When the violence began, what we needed more than anything was clarity in the middle of this. It's hard to see when the tear gas starts. Someone in America needed to tell the truth to the country. Instead, almost all of our so-called conservative leaders joined the left's chorus, as if on cue. On Friday, as American cities were being destroyed by mobs, the vice president of the United States refused to say anything specific about the riots we were watching on television. Instead, Mike Pence scolded America for its racism. Carly Fiorina, once a leading Republican presidential candidate, tweeted that, and we're quoting, 
It's white America that now must see the truth, speak the truth, and act on the truth. Meanwhile, Kay Cole James, who is the president of the Heritage Foundation, that's the largest conservative think tank in the country. You may have sent them money, hopefully for the last time. Kay Cole James wrote a long screed denouncing America as an irredeemably racist nation. Quote, how many times will protests have to occur? Got that? Have to occur. Like the rest of us caused this by our sinfulness. The message from our leaders on the right as on the left was unambiguous. Don't complain. You deserve what's happening to you. No one jumped in more forcefully or seemed angrier at America than former South Carolina Governor Nikki Haley. Quote, tonight I turned on the news and I am heartbroken, Haley wrote. It's important to understand that the death of George Floyd was personal and painful for many. In order to heal, it needs to be personal and painful for everyone. But wait a second, you may be wondering, how am I, quote, personally responsible for the behavior of a Minneapolis police officer? I've never even been to Minneapolis, you may think to yourself. And why is some politician telling me I'm required to be upset about it? Those are all good questions. Nikki Haley did not answer those questions, explaining is not her strong suit. That would require thinking. What Nikki Haley does best is moral blackmail. During the 2016 campaign, she compared Donald Trump to the racist mass murderer Dylan Roof. How is Donald Trump similar to a serial killer? Nikki Haley never explained that. She wasn't trying to educate anyone. Her only goal was political advantage. Nikki Haley is exceptionally good at getting what she wants. She's happy to denounce you as a racist in order to get it. She just did. In this case, Nikki Haley's wish came true. The riots were indeed, quote, personal and painful for everyone. And then the pain kept increasing. Two days after she wrote that dozens of American cities had been thoroughly trashed, some destroyed. A country already on the brink of recession suddenly faced economic collapse. An already fearful population locked down for months had been thoroughly and completely terrorized. Mission accomplished. Let's hope Nikki Haley is pleased. We've now atoned. How did the Trump administration respond to the horrors going on around us? Well, yesterday morning, the country's national security advisor, Robert O'Brien, did a live interview from the White House lawn. Here's how it began. First thing I want to say on behalf of the president, he said this to the family, uh, but our, our hearts and, uh, and prayers are going out to the Floyd family. Uh, we mourn with them and we grieve with them. And, and what happened there was horrific. And I can't even imagine what that poor family is going through as this video is played over and over again. That should have never happened in America. And it's a, it's a tragic thing. The president said that from the start. And, uh, and, and we're with the family. And, and, and as the president said, we're with the, the peaceful protesters. We're with the peaceful protesters, O'Brien announced. Really, can you be more specific about that? Who are you talking about exactly? Is it the people spitting foam as they scream, F the police? Is it the ones standing next to the arsonist doing nothing as they set fire to buildings? Or the ones that are there peacefully protesting, but the minute they crack a window, they jump in to grab the latest Michael Kors bag or the latest Nike shoes screaming look what i got i got everything look i got myself an iphone duh all that is registered every single one of them will get caught maybe not the shoes maybe not the bag but they will get caught these are animals leeches on society you know i spoke with a police officer yesterday and he said there were peaceful protesters and i said why are they protesting because a man was killed by a bad... Why are you apologizing? You're a cop. So? A bad cop happened. Just like... What, should we all protest against all teachers? Because teachers rape kids? 
Should we all protest against the whole Catholic Church because they got some priests that like to diddle kids? Do we go out on the street and break stuff and set it on fire? Because those are children. I mean, when something like that happens to a child, it's done. You know, it is the hardest scar to ever heal. It'll be like a keloid scar that never goes away. It's always raised in there, just sitting there. That they have to wear as a badge for surviving. Yet nobody goes out on the street to protest for that. Nobody. Oh, that's just one bad teacher. Or two, or 20, or 30. It's just just them. But for the cops, it's different. You know, I had someone say, uh, you know, in Cleveland, actually, the city council is going to propose to declare that racism is a, a state emergency or something like that. Let me find that article. Because it it really, I was thinking, no, are you kidding? What is wrong with people? Yeah, vote on a resolution that would declare racism, listen to this, a public health crisis. These are people that have been elected. Cleveland City Council will vote this week on an emergency resolution that would declare racism a public health crisis. Here it is. Equity cannot be on the back of victims. It has to be on the backs of people who are empowered to do something, said Mr. Councilman Bashir Jones. At the state level, there's a growing call by some elected to. This is ridiculous. Ridiculous. This is not serious, is it? No. Yes, it is. They want to make legislation saying that racism is now a public health emergency. And, you know, obviously, I'm going to comment on that when it was published. And I get someone saying, well, yeah, they're being beat to death and choked to death. You're not paying attention. I said, yeah, seven times more white people and Native Americans suffer the same. Are you protesting for them, too? That's the thing. The hypocrisy of it all. The hypocrisy. How all the cops are bad. F-12. It's just the thug drug dealers that are doing that. F-12. So disgusting and so transparent. And, you know, I'm prepared to be pulling my hair out. got a haircut to do that. Because it's going to be so crazy this summer. So crazy. You don't even know it's summer. It's June 2nd. And we can't go outside. Not because of this corona whatever. (laughs) Now it's because someone's going to shoot you or blow you up or throw a stone at you. Knock your teeth out. Because you were born with a skin color they don't like. And because a cop in Minneapolis killed someone, you're to blame. That's the bottom line. Is it the kids laughing as they film the looting and the beatings on their iPhones? Maybe it's the famous, famous people in L.A. who are raising money online to support the rioters. They're all just peaceful protesters. Yeah, we support that. It's who we are. What about the president? Where was he during all of this? Well, on Friday night after the show, Leland Vittert and a cameraman headed to Lafayette Square in Washington to cover what was happening outside the White House. Here's what happened next. Fox News reporter is getting chased out by these by the George Floyd protesters here in front of at Lafayette Park. 
Look, there's water being thrown on the reporter here. Hey, look, this protester just took his mic. This protester, and they just threw the mic at the reporter here. As you see, guys, things are spiraling here quick at the protest. That was in Lafayette Square in the center of our capital city. And the tape raised a troubling question. If you can't keep a Fox News correspondent from getting attacked directly across the street from your house, how can you protect my family? How are you going to protect the country? How hard are you trying? On Twitter the next morning, the president reassured America that he and his family were just fine. The federally funded bodyguards had kept them safe. He did not mention protecting the rest of the nation, much of which was then on fire. He seemed aware only of himself. For people who like Donald Trump, who voted for Donald Trump, who support his policies, who have defended him for years and years against the most absurd kinds of slander, this was a distressing moment. The first requirement of leadership is that you watch over the people in your care. That's what soldiers want from their officers. It's what families need from their fathers. It's what voters demand from their presidents. People will put up with almost anything if you do that. You can regularly say embarrassing things on television. You can hire Omarosa to work at the White House. All of that will be forgiven if you protect your people. But if you do not protect them, or worse than that, if you seem like you can't be bothered to protect them, then you're done. It's over. People will not forgive weakness. That's the one thing. By the way, that is not a partisan point. It is human nature. Nero is the only Roman emperor whose name most people still remember. Why? Because he abandoned his nation in a time of crisis, and 2,000 years later, we still don't forgive him. Donald Trump's response to these riots, which is ongoing, is the singular test of his presidency. About an hour ago, the president announced that he's going to marshal all available forces, military and civilian, to stop these riots. If a city or state refuses to take the actions that are necessary to defend the life and property of their residents, then I will deploy the United States military and quickly solve the problem for them. Good for him. Immediately after that address, the president walked over to St. John's, which, as we just told you, was burning fewer than 24 hours ago. And that provided a powerful symbolic gesture. It was a declaration that this country, our national symbols, our oldest institutions, will not be desecrated and defeated by nihilistic destruction. We fervently hope this all works. What Americans want most right now is an end to this chaos. They want their cities to be saved. They want this to stop immediately. If the commander in chief cannot stop it, he will lose in November. The left will blame him for the atrocities they encouraged. And some voters will agree. Donald Trump is the president. Presidents save countries. That's their job. That's why we hire them. It's that simple. Some key advisors around the president don't seem to understand this or the gravity of the moment. No matter what happens, they'll tell you, our voters aren't going anywhere. The trailer parks are rock solid. What choice do they have? They've got to vote for us. Jared Kushner, for one, has made that point out loud. No one has more contempt for Donald Trump's voters than Jared Kushner does, and no one expresses it more frequently. In 2016, Donald Trump ran as a law and order candidate because he meant it, and his views remain fundamentally unchanged today. But the president's famously sharp instincts, the ones that won him the presidency almost four years ago, have been since subverted at every level by Jared Kushner. This is true on immigration, on foreign policy, and especially on law enforcement. 
As crime in this country continues to rise, Jared Kushner has led a highly aggressive effort to let more criminals out of prison and back onto the streets. This is reckless. At this moment in time, it's insane. It continues to happen. The president seems to sense this. At times, he seems aware he's being led in the wrong direction. He often derides Kushner as a liberal, and that's correct. Kushner is. But Kushner has convinced the president that throwing open the prisons is the key to winning African-American votes in the fall and that those votes are essential to his reelection. Several times over the past few days, the president has signaled that he would very much like to crack down on rioters. That is his instinct. If you've watched him, you believe it. But every time he has been talked out of it by Jared Kushner and by aides that Kushner has hired and controls. Kushner's assumption apparently is that African-American voters like looting. That is wrong. Normal Americans of all colors hate looting. Every single one of them does, especially the ones that get hurt trying to defend their businesses. Now, you know, a lot of these celebrities um, have, uh, you know, thrown in their two cents. Uh, one guy, Scott Barry Kaufman, he claims to be a humanistic psychologist exploring the depths of human potential and wrote this book named Transcend. You know, he was adamant last year, we need gun control now. And then that same guy tweeted out, just called the police because there was such dangerous standoff between my neighbor and some protesters and got the response. Sir, the city is under attack. Do what you have to do. And they hung up. Did that really happen? Don't you wish you had a gun now, Scott? Second Amendment much needed? Yes, because there are animals. There are animals out there that are not like uh, what Americans want. Kushner's wrong. Black people don't like looting. No matter what your color is, you don't like looting. And what you don't like more is people taking your livelihood. Taking your livelihood. And here we have, right, celebrities that have now funded to get these looters out. Because you're not arrested for standing there and protesting and screaming and crying and claiming how black people are so oppressed in 2020. How, they're, how there's, you know, so much racism just with them. No, you're, it's not racist for white people. It's not racist for natives, Asians, nothing, right? It's just them. Racism comes in all shapes and forms. I've, I think I've told you on air how my daughter simply went to Dunkin' Donuts to get a donut, stood in line, and some chick was like, you're white privilege, I can smell. What? What? This is not racist? Is that not a threat? Is that not? How, who raised that human? Obviously, that human was old. And she said that to a 14-year-old child. You should see her classmates that went out on the protests. Black Lives Matter. She's like, dude, did you protest for other people that have been killed? Did you protest for white people that have died? Oh, it's just that person, right? Just that one. All right. I get it. And all of them went there and looted the stores just like everybody else. I mean, someone else opened it up. Why not go in and grab a few things, right? And here we have celebrities, Justin Timberlake, funding for the looters, 
Greg Gutfield actually put it, Gutfeld, I keep calling him Gutfield, puts it very nicely. Sight unseen, then you aren't sure who you're bailing out. Are you bailing out the are you bailing out the fiends who torched the bar built by that black fireman for his retirement and he has no insurance? Are they bailing out those people? Are they bailing out the scum that beat that woman unconscious with sticks while she was protecting? You may not know who you're bailing out. And it really is easy for celebrities like uh, Chrissy Teigen uh, to post bail from a gated community where she knows she will never have to worry about a threat in her life. She, I think she actually was a spokesperson for Target and I guess she's making Target. Tr- Target. George Soros. Yep, he owns it. Truly a Target. <laughs> Dana, how do you think Joe Biden's doing? Uh, you saw him there at the church. Well, it, it, this week or this last week was the first time that we've actually seen him leave. Um, I think that everybody should be aware. And I think that we are. We've talked about it a lot. Maybe we haven't done enough. But we all, we know the statistics of the people, the, the percentage of people who have died or have been affected by coronavirus. We know them. Um, and I, I believe what? that the president has talked about this several times, but we need to do more in that area. Um, you know, I, I don't like it when you have a crisis, let alone three crises all at once in the middle of a presidential election year. I think we're about five. We're five months away on Wednesday from Election Day. So there is going to be politics. It's going to be messy. I think for the president to stay mission focused as to dealing with these and the facts on the ground and restoring law and order and making sure that the stimulus, the fourth bill gets done and gets to those people like the one Greg was just talking about, the one who lost his bar. What if he got a PPP loan and he was going to pay that with his employees and now he doesn't have anywhere to go back to? I mean, a lot of this is very complex and we ought to appreciate that. You know, <laughs> I think it's time for a song, right? That totally demonstrates today.
Yep. The land of confusion. That is exactly where we are right now. We don't even know. Are we going? Are we coming? What's happening? You know what's really confusing? Listen to this. It's a wake-up call to our nation, in my view. It's for all of us. And I mean all of us. It's not the first time we've heard those words. They're the same words we heard from Eric Garner when his life was taken away six years ago. But it's time to listen to those words, to try to understand them, to respond to them, respond with action. A country is crying out for leadership, leadership that can unite us, leadership that brings us together, leadership that can recognize pain and deep grief of communities that have had a knee on their neck for a long time. There's no place for violence, no place for looting or destroying property or burning churches or destroying businesses, many of them built by the very people of color who were the first time in their lives were beginning to realize their dreams and build wealth for their families. I just want to say, so I'm watching this on Fox News and this doesn't look like Joe Biden. I don't know what's up here. But the throat movements when he speaks are not him. And the mouth is definitely Hunter's. I want you guys to look at it because it sounds a little bit far-fetched, super rabbit hole. But I'm just saying, um, it seems really, really odd and curious. Because we hear him speaking coherently for a while. And he can't stream a sentence more than a couple of minutes without losing the plot, without understanding, uh, you know, uh, any like where he is, what he's doing, nothing. And yet here he is speaking specifically in, in, in this video for 20 minutes. That's at least five times more than what he can handle. So bizarre. I just wanted to throw that out at the end of this hour um, uh, before the break because it's really um, interesting how we haven't seen Hunter and how Joe Biden hasn't been able to focus or do anything, but suddenly he's able to stand there for 20 minutes and have a conversation. And his physical features, I mean, hey, I was trained in that aren't exactly it. I mean, his son does look like him, but this is really good makeup. Remember, back in the 80s, we had makeup artists that could trick a president while they're sitting across from him. Not on TV, not through filters, but sitting across from him. So I'm just saying... If someone was to ask me, look, this is Joe Biden, I'd say, yeah, right. No, it's not. Because I can see it. Uh, the way the lips curl in, not Joe Biden. That's not something he does, but Hunter does that. Uh, the way the neck um, is centered, not there. You can see that it's a prosthetic uh, because only the middle wobbles when he talks. Uh, the pursing of the lips is totally something Hunter does. The lips are not his. They're not his. So this is um, pretty interesting because it looks like one of the eyes have been taped down, which is so bizarre. Maybe to give that you know, look of Biden. I don't know. But it's not him. I mean, that's what I say. So I would urge all of you. I, I tweeted out the video, but you can go on YouTube and look for um, uh, a Fox video. Uh, Biden deliver remarks on delivers remarks on civil unrest facing America. And he's one to talk, right? 
I mean, it was him and Obama that created this division in the first place. This insane division we have within our nation was purported by these clowns. And he has the cheek to speak. Oh, no, you didn't. I mean, come on. You should know better than that, Biden. You should know better than that because people will be holding you accountable. Well, on that note, I'm going to see you guys in just a bit right after this short break. And we'll pick up and continue. Welcome back, everyone, to the Tori Says Show. I'm your host, Tori. So uh, in this hour, we're going to discuss who the real racists are. Um, and we're going to remind ourselves exactly what is being done here. Uh, something that I warned about in May, uh, where, you know, everything seems to be the land of confusion. People forget things, and that's what they bet on, that people forget. But before we get into it, I want us to listen to um, <laughs> to listen to the doctor who performed Dr. Biden, thank Floyd's you for- um, autopsy and the independent opto- autopsy to discuss his findings, because I'm going to tell you what's going to happen. Just 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 listen to this being back with us. I've known you a long time. Yes. Uh, you know my background now in martial arts. I have I looked at this video again and again. I saw that neck. I saw that 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 push into the pavement. Uh, I knew immediately that is the most vulnerable part of the human anatomy. Unless you care to correct that statement, you did the autopsy. Tell us what you saw and compare it also to what you saw in the video. Yes, sure. And I, I agree very much that the neck is. Uh has a, a, a great deal of nerves, blood vessels, arteries, veins, and uh, the windpipe. And pressure in that area, whether it's the front or the side uh, or the back, can uh, impair blood flow to the brain, bring up the oxygen brain, it can impair uh, breathing through the windpipe. Now, in addition to that, and one can die just from compression of the neck uh, sufficiently, there was compression that you can see in the videos of the back. Pressure on the back prevents the diaphragms from moving up and down, which is necessary to inhale and exhale. And that's the kind of pressure that caused Eric Garner and now uh, uh, George Floyd uh, to say I can't breathe. The police, there's a big misconception, Sean, among police 
that if a person can talk and say, I can't breathe, that means he's breathing. Now, I'm talking to you now for a while without breathing. I keep talking. You don't need to be breathing in order to say, uh, I can't breathe, or, or in, in this instance, when Floyd uh, reaches out and calls for his mother, Mama Mama, who died three years ago, and still nobody lessened up their uh, uh, pressure on him. I think the finding was uh, at the autopsy that he did not have any other reason to cause death. Uh, he, he, his heart and lungs and other things were not sufficiently uh, impaired that would have caused death. And the video of the, um, the pressure on the neck and on the back is what establishes that he couldn't breathe and uh, goes along with his statements that he couldn't breathe. They used to tell him the truth and he died because he didn't get enough oxygen to his brain. Just like our Eric Gardner, remember Eric Gardner, Gardner, from the time the police touched him, Sean, to the time that they got off him and realized he was not, he was lifeless, was about 48 seconds. If there's no uh, blood going to the brain, and if he can't move his diaphragms, one can die very quickly. In the videos, um, Floyd. Uh, became lifeless in less than four minutes. He was moving around and he was able to breathe and then stop breathing. And I think that um, uh, the uh, pressure should have been let off him, but he died of compression because he, uh, he couldn't breathe and because his brain wasn't getting enough oxygen. Dr. Baden, the original preliminary report and the medical examiner I now, I now believe is on the same page with you. I didn't like it because it it said there was this. It was not death by asphyxiation. Um, this is what I know from my martial arts training. If I put you in a what's called a rear naked choke, where you have both literally carotid arteries, and I have access, or the trach in the different hold, but I put you in a rear naked choke, you're going to drop to your knees in 15 seconds. You said at the press conference today that you believe he was dead five minutes into this. If you watch to the end of the video, it, it will break anybody's heart. You could see they had to separately hold his head and neck up to get him on the gurney. You believe he was right. dead for at least a couple of minutes. Right there at the scene, they, they, did not, they, they said he died at the hospital. That's not true, and nor was the original preliminary report. Yeah, they, they tried to do CPR with him uh, going in the ambulance and they couldn't get a pulse. He had a cardiac arrest and they tried to shock him and the shock didn't work. He was dead, as you say, before they put him into the stretcher. The, the situation in this country, Sean, is, is that the death, the death uh, time on the certificate is not when you die, but when the, a doctor pronounces you dead. If we have a decomposed a body coming out of the Hudson River tomorrow. It'll have tomorrow. It'll have tomorrow's date as the time of death, because then he's pronounced, even though he may have been dead for four months before that. So yeah. the, the death certificate is awkward. It, it has the pronounced time of death, not the actual time of death. And I agree with you. He's dead long before he get, many minutes before he gets to the hospital. From a medical perspective, if and you know what a rear naked choke is. If I put you in a rear naked choke, 
Am I wrong in telling this audience that in 15 seconds, if I have you and I have both carotids and I'm putting heavy pressure on it, that an average person would drop in 15 seconds? In, in less than that, in, in less than 10 seconds. And that's the kind of choke that a well-trained uh, police officer can do. Should never to, use. Never. Uh, can do. In the old days, they use it and was used properly. A person will collapse in about 10 seconds and they have a time to put the, uh, uh, the handcuffs on. However, a lot of police had that choke on too long and it can cause death and it is safer, never compress the neck, never uh, uh, also not um, uh, get on the back uh, and press on the back because that can cause death from lack of breathing. And it's interesting that about in 2010, there was a similar death named uh, Smith, David Smith, who died under similar circumstances, couldn't breathe, had pressure on his back, and the Minneapolis Police Department used it as a, a, a as a way of training police officers uh, in not to uh, put a chokehold on and not to get on the back of a person and yeah. to release them as soon as they get them under control. And this has been used as a teaching kind of case from uh, 10 years ago, yet whatever happened, they did the wrong thing in this case. Yeah. And, and, you know, Dr. Bodden, if you've targeted strike two, I've been trying to tell the audience, if I take the back of my hand and I hit my target and I hit it hard enough, a person drops to their knees immediately. One strike. And if they try to stand up, they'll probably fall down again. Is that also accurate? Yeah. Yes, yeah, Sean. And you know what? It's interesting. I've gotten a number of emails from people who do martial arts to say just what you're saying is that uh, when they saw the way he was, uh, the, the knee was on the neck, and that kind of a pressure can cause rapid loss of consciousness and rapid injury to the person, yeah. uh, just uh, uh, from a, a number of martial arts people. So everybody knows that what we saw was irregular, not right, and wrong, correct? So everybody knows that it's wrong. Just like everybody knows that rioting is wrong. Yet not one Democrat has come out to say that, right? Not one. They have allowed the riots to happen. Finally, someone says that. I mean, where is Pelosi? Where's Schiff? Where's Schumer? Why are they not calling out the rioters? Take a listen. Fox News alert now. Top Democratic leader slamming President Trump over the treatment of protesters outside the White House yesterday. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi and the Senate Democratic leader Chuck Schumer have been quiet, though, about the rioters since many of the protests turned violent nearly a week ago. But the two have released a new joint statement saying, quote, at a time when our country cries out for unification, this president is ripping it apart, tears gassing peaceful protesters without provocation just so that the president could pose for photos outside a church dishonors every value that faith teaches us so let's bring in congressman doug collins a republican member of the house judiciary committee congressman good morning Good morning. Yes. I'm going to get to what the president did yesterday at St. John's Church, but let's start with the fact that this long statement, it was several paragraphs, I read it closely a few times last night from Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer, and I saw no mention of violence. I saw no mention of riots. Why are they not calling out the rioters? That's a great question for the media to ask them. Why would they not call out 
police officers being shot. Where are they with the family of the Las Vegas police officer who was shot in the head and is on life support right now? Peaceful protests need to happen. That's part of our culture. It's part of who we are. And change needs to happen. But you cannot ca not call out Antifa and these agitators, these anarchists who are in the middle of these peaceful protests who have now made them into something that is very damaging. You know what is damaging to our culture is when the people do not feel safe on the streets because people who want to, to use a death of, a, of someone to actually just go in and steal something. That's never should be allowed. Where is their outrage there instead of their outrage at a president that they thoroughly dislike? So uh, we just pressed the Democrats. Let's press the president now. The Washington Post uh, kind of getting into a narrative that many in the media are pushing right now about yesterday and what happened in Lafayette Park. Uh, the Post saying the verdict seemed clear. The president had staged an elaborate photo op. These are their words. Using a Bible awkwardly held aloft as a prop and a historic church that has long welcomed presidents and their families as a backdrop. Your response. Uh, the Washington Post doesn't cease to surprise me. And again, using, uh, I think they've seen more concern that he actually had a Bible, a symbol of our faith, seems to be more concerning to them than the actual issues that are going on in our country right now. Look, Ed, we've got a, we've got a real chance and opportunity here. This is something that I've been working on for a while. I'm the son of a Georgia State trooper. When I hear about these, and I used to watch my father go out when there were issues like this and protest, and you never knew what was going to happen. And then hearing the, the evidence of what's going on here, if the Washington Post and, the, and our Democrats leadership would actually get together and let's start talking about ideas that can actually help our communities, bring uh, concern and love and communities together. We've done this before. Chairman Goodlatte, before we had a police working group, I went over the country and talked about how ways we can bring our police departments and our communities together to understand this uh, going forward, how we can have better relations. Absolutely. How do we actually, the Judiciary Committee ought to be working on this instead of what we're doing with an elections bill tomorrow. We're right. actually, we should actually be talking about something that matters. And we've certainly been calling out the violence violence and the rioting, but what about the tear gassing of what appeared to be peaceful protesters in Lafayette Park? What about that issue specifically? Well, I think, again, is there a beginning to, as we just said by your previous guest, they're beginning to, how they get there anyway after everything has been started over the last few days and, and the, that closeness and perimeter to our city? Why are we not having uh, more uh, look at how we can actually begin to, to have peaceful protests in ways that people can actually do this? And again, this will be going forward, but I don't want it to take the eye off of what we actually do to fix this. It's going to be easy to get distracted. Mm -hmm. The president is standing strong and he's telling states to stand strong, but also at the same point, we've got to have people come together and focus on the problem of these agitators, Antifa and others, who are making this something that it's not. And we've got to have a Congress that's willing yeah. to come to work and actually solve this. Uh, and while there is a right for peaceful protests, as you say, we have to keep our eye on something else. Marco Rubio tweeting about this, a bus full of weapons in Ohio. Police in Ohio found a bus near protest filled with bats, rocks and other weapons. But I guess still no evidence, quote unquote, of an organized effort to inject violence and anarchy into protests, right? So there's the acting Senate Intel chair, your colleague, uh, Congressman, uh, saying that, th that there's weapons, there's rocks, they're just almost magically appearing. What is really going on here with these quote unquote protests? Uh, they're not magically appearing. You got in the midst of these thugs and, and, and people who abuse a system. I mean, if you don't believe it, I mean, there was a, a reporter, I think, from uh, uh, public broadcasting who said that the president said there's anarchists with no evidence of that. Has, have they looked at the video? Have they mm -hmm. seen the, the anarchist paintings and spraying? The, 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 uh, 
the ability to go in and look at what's being spray painted and what's being said. This shows that there are uh, connections between this across state lines. I'm glad the Attorney General is a part of this uh, because we need to, to stop this. This can no longer be happening. When we have issues in our country, our country is based on the right of freedom to protest and to, to forcibly mm-hmm. make our grievances known. But- yeah, we should. We have that right because we live in the United States of America and we're free. But the thing is, why are liberals always so angry and apologetic? Why do they curse? Why do they slander? Why do they push these fake labels, right? Sexist, racist, Russian troll, right? Why do they keep doing that? And they start screaming and emotionally they just blow up and they're like, Rah! you know, that's the thing. Why do they do that? Why do they create like you know packs of like packs of animals they run in packs of animals right why 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 can't they listen and have a conversation with someone who has factual knowledge on this why can't you have a discussion and and just put forward your facts you know and and talk about it you know why are why are they constantly like that why are they doing that it's because the way that they are organized and the, the way they get so violent and they run in packs is to clearly keep you in a state of fear and to terrorize you. And therefore, they keep you on your knees, just like that woman that I retweeted and put on my Facebook post, being asked to kneel down and apologize for her whiteness. They want us divided by race and class, religion. Well, we're human. So, you know, people that actually can think are just like, all right, you know, um, racism isn't really a thing. So what you're doing is racist, period. But aside from the fact that we have these insane liberals that are being trained by your own teachers in the school, teachers are actually communicating with students and getting them on these programs as young as 12 as young as 12, right? And, uh, you know, they are indoctrinated to think like this. Indoctrinated. And they tell you you're racist. Well, we're, we're going to pick up on that because we're going to get reminded who the real racists are. Because there's this amazing, like, clip with Giuliani and um, Maria Baratomo where he talks about how incompetent de Blasio is and Cuomo. People are getting beaten, houses looted, businesses destroyed completely in, an, in a time where they've already been destroyed because no one's working. Everyone's hungry. Now they don't even have shops to go. I don't. I know that I can't for a 10 mile radius go and pick up a bottle of milk. I can't because it's been destroyed. Nothing. I mean, I can't even leave because the doors are boarded. I have to go out through the back in the garage, underground and all this to get out. And then show my papers <laughs> that I'm in there, <laughs> you know, to, to the blockade of whatever federal agents are there. Be like, hey, so can I leave now? They're like, sure. And then when you come back, they just run all these checks to make sure you can go where you need. I mean, you know, it's for your safety. And I get it. I mean, they pulled gas lines, gas lines to make this place explode. They're insane. And they're allowing this to happen.
Rudy, thanks very much for joining us. A sad day in the country and a sad day in New York. Your reaction? It's a very sad day, Maria. One of the worst days in New York. Last night was uh, unnecessary and horrible and the d destruction done to New York City without any interruption by the mayor. I, I, you could say the police department, but the mayor is holding them back and it's outrageous. I mean, this action did not have to happen if we had a vaguely competent mayor. Uh, this should have been stopped five well, days ago. Uh, I, mean, I mean, couldn't they have stopped some of that? Well, we have watched now over and over again people looting, throwing uh, co Molotov cocktails, burning cars, and now putting our police in prison, in, in, in uh, hospitals, and uh, virtually no major arrests are made. The mayor should step down. He is incompetent. We are losing, we, we, are, we are losing a tremendous amount of property. We're seeing people damaged and hurt ser seriously. And pretty soon we're going to lose some lives if this man doesn't get out of the way and let someone activate the police department. In other cities, they're activating the National Guard. In New York City, we have to activate the New York City Police Department. They're, they're being used as punching bags. And then he has the audacity to criticize them for being too brutal. I mean, it, it, we're, we're in some kind of a, a world of his own, some, some insane world that he lives in. He's been a terrible mayor for six and a half, seven years. Terrible. There isn't a person in this city that will tell you that he hasn't been a terrible mayor. But now we need a vaguely competent mayor because people are going to die if this man doesn't get out of the way and let the police department do its job. So, you know, his daughter, Chiara de Blasio, was arrested for, for, for being with the protesters the, the other night. Why, why do you, how do you know that he's holding back the police department? I mean, you're right. All of that looting and destruction because, like, <laughs> last night should have been stopped sooner. What is he doing to hold back the How do I know? I, I mean, I, I, did, I, I did this for a living for 18 years, Maria, and I took over the city of New York when I used to have riots like this. And you might remember I had no riots when I was mayor, and I had police brutality cases. He's following, and all, the, all these liberal, progressive mayors are following a playbook that's about 35 years old and totally discredited. It's called the venting theory. They let them sort of like get it out of their system for a day or two, and then the city blows. I changed that. Actually, based on a report written for Governor Mario Cuomo, I changed that to take the first guy out, then the second one, then the third one, and you're going to get control of it. The first person that throws a rock gets arrested. The second person gets arrested. And if you have to arrest 700 people to keep the Brooklyn Bridge open, you do. You can, you can ask Chief Esposito, who, by the way, this idiot in, in City Hall fired. Chief Esposito arrested 700 people one day, but we kept the Brooklyn Bridge open. You don't get to destroy property in my city. When I was mayor, I had no riots. And I followed a mayor who had two major riots, even a pogrom, in three years. And I was challenged with so, tremendous so you... protests. But they never turn they never turn violent, and they don't have to. You don't have to be a genius. I'm not patting myself on the back. I borrowed that from a book that I read and a report that was done. And these idiots who call themselves progressives are retrogressive. They're going back to using the sixties. You know, let them vent. Give them two or three days. Yeah. Give them two or three days and they destroy Minneapolis. Give them two or three days and they destroy Washington, D.C. Give them seven days and now they're taking out Madison Avenue and they've already taken out lower Manhattan. The destruction in Brooklyn is terrible. Now, how do I know it? Because I go around the city during the day <laughs> with my mask on 
and I talked to cops, and cops liked me and trust me because I supported them. And I also brought down crime more than any other mayor in the history of the city, and I saved more black lives than anybody in the history of the city by reducing murder. Thousands and thousands of people were alive because I changed the policies of the, of the incompetent liberal democratic mayors that preceded me. This is all basically happening, well, I mean, at least the worst of it, in cities that are ruled by progressive mayors. Progressive my backside. They're retrogressive. They're using theories of, of mob control that go back, as I say, 30 years. And you see the consequences of it. So we're letting them vent it out on our dime? We're going to have to pay for all that damage. We're going to let these animals loot everything, take away our livelihoods, break things because they need to get it out of their system. Doesn't seem like they get all riled up for anything. It was just the right time. Like I said, it's going to be super, super turbulent this summer. And it kicked off right at the mark. Right on time, right on schedule, their train is here. And they think that this will be allowed to happen. But the thing is, we have to let the people see. There is no excuse that the state of New York cannot keep this under control. They have more manpower, more technology, more people, more weapons, more anything than any other state pretty much. Then they can't control it. And in Washington, D.C., those provocateurs that are coming in are doing it because they want to get shot. It's going to take one of them to bring out that gun. One. The minute one bullet flies, imagine how many innocent people will be killed. Just one. Come on, Space Force, do your thing. Jam them up and let's do it because that's the way it has to be done or else they're going to get the blood that they're seeking. They want this to be a bloodbath. They're in Texas in suburbs right now and people are out there with their guns telling them to leave. And the majority of the provocateurs are these idiots that are attending these sunrise, sunshine, sunrise movement. It's horrible. It is. It is because the real racists are the ones that are fueling. The people you see out there protesting are all racist. I don't care if you're like, well, I'm protesting because it's just wrong. It's not the time to protest because you're being hijacked. You know how you protest? By writing a letter. Forgotten men and women of our country will be forgotten no longer. The time for empty talk is over. Now arrives the hour of action. From this day forward, a new vision will govern our land. From this day forward, it's going to be only America first. Every decision will be made to benefit American workers and American families. America will start winning again, winning like never before. I will fight for you with every breath in my body, 
and I will never, ever let you down. Do not allow anyone to tell you that it cannot be done. No challenge can match the heart and fight and spirit of America. We will not fail. Our country will thrive and prosper again. Your voice, your hopes, and your dreams will define our American destiny. When America is united, America is totally unstoppable. After nearly four years, my family's nightmare is finally over. We couldn't have survived this without the love and support of the millions of patriots around the world. Thank you from the bottom of our heart. Hi, I'm Laura Loomer, and I'm running for Congress in Florida's 21st Congressional District. Wouldn't it be horrible if we lived in a nation where journalists were silenced just because they confronted the political and media elite? You might think that could never happen in America, but it did. And to me. For confronting people like Hillary Clinton on her corruption and Ilhan Omar for her ties to radical Islamic terror groups, I have been banned on pretty much every single social media platform. And if that doesn't sound extreme enough, I'm also banned on Uber and Lyft. I know, I cannot understand that last one either. When this all happened to me, I contacted the media and members of Congress. I asked them for help. I kept calling, I kept emailing, but I never received a reply. And that's when it hit me. I'm a well-known journalist who has the phone numbers of the most powerful people in politics and media, yet I couldn't get any assistance. What on earth would the average American do if the same thing happened to them? I realized then that if I wanted to see change, that I would need to run for office. The American people deserve representation that listens to and acts on their concerns. So here I am, running for Congress in Florida's 21st Congressional District, because the American people deserve a voice and a representative who, like President Trump, will keep the promises they make and speak up loudly and clearly for that silent majority. All right, let's uh, now discuss how this false narrative of the Democrat Party needs to come up. Because it seems like the Democrat Party is burying their dirty laundry and telling you that you're racist, telling you that Trump is racist. But who are the real racists? Here's Secretary Clinton commenting on the passing of Robert Byrd, a very prolific Racist. Today, our country has lost a true American original, my friend and mentor, Robert C. Byrd. Senator Byrd was a man of surpassing eloquence and nobility. And I will remember him for many things, but most of all, for a heartfelt comment he made to me in the dark days following the attack on our country on 9-11. My state of New York was reeling, and we were scrambling to provide support and relief. Think of me as the third senator from New York, he said, and he meant it. Thanks to the leadership of Senator Byrd, who chaired the Appropriations Committee, New Yorkers and Americans got the help we needed. I will never forget his devotion and his friendship in that critical time. It is almost impossible to imagine the United States Senate without Robert Byrd. He was not just its longest serving member, he was its heart its soul, and its historian.
From my first day in the Senate, I sought out his guidance, and he was always generous with his time and his wisdom. I admired his tireless advocacy for his West Virginia constituents, his fierce defense of the Constitution and the traditions of the Senate, and his passion for a government that improves the lives of the people it serves. As Secretary of State, I continued to rely on his advice and counsel. I've been grateful for the support he provided as a leader of the Appropriations Committee to our diplomats and development workers as they serve our country and advance our interests all over the world. Robert C. Byrd led by the power of his example, and he made all of us who had the honor of serving as his colleagues better public servants and better citizens. After more than five decades of service, he left an indelible imprint on the Senate, on West Virginia, and on our nation. We will not see his like again. I am heartened to know that Senator Byrd is now reunited with his beloved Irma, the high school sweetheart who became his wife of nearly 70 years, the love and light of his life. My thoughts and prayers are with their children, grandchildren, and great-grandchildren. Robert C. Byrd left such a legacy. Robert Byrd. All wow. People. Robert Byrd and the KKK. That is who Hillary Clinton admires. Here's how Hillary Clinton described black people. I mean, they all look alike, right? And, and I don't want to go around insulting people. I don't want to paint with a broad brush. Every immigrant is this. Every African-American is that. Every She did. She called them super predators. Remember that? She actually did that. She did. You know, other person with, you know, different religious beliefs or whatever, you know, that is, that's childish. What do you think of Cory Booker's, and you didn't comment on him, and you're, feel free to. Oh, I, I adore you know, him. What do you think about him saying, kick them in the shins, essentially, start to get to that kind of political. Well, that was Eric Holder. Yeah, Eric Holder. Oh, Eric Holder, yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah, I know they all look alike. No, they no, don't. They <laughs> How racist oh, was that? That was really racist, wasn't it? They all look alike. You know, Hillary... <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I was, I, I was paid by Mark Zuckerberg to do that. <laughs> okay, um, can I just say? No, what I, what can I, I think, just say? You've been reading Trump's tweets beautifully. Yeah, thank, thank you. you, thank you. And and, huh? Reading Trump's tweets. She, she, she threw cover. How does she throw cover about calling them super predators? Super predators. No conscience. No empathy. We can talk about why they ended up that way, but first we have to bring them to heel. You called out President Clinton for defending Secretary Clinton's use of the term super predator back in the 90s when she supported the crime bill. Why, why did you call him out? Because it was a racist term and everybody knew it was a racist term. No conscience. It's a very well thought out crime bill that is both smart and tough. No empathy. Because it was a racist term and everybody knew it was a racist term. They are yes. often super predators. Those are the racists. Here's another racist. A lot of conservatives in particular would say that the rise in Islamophobia is a result not of hate, but a fear, a legitimate fear, they say, of quote-unquote jihadist terrorism, whether it's Fort Hood or San Bernardino or the recent truck attack in New York. Uh, what do you say to them? I would say uh, uh, our, our country should be more fearful 
um, of, of, of white men across our country because they are actually um, causing uh, most of the deaths within this country. We should be uh, profiling, monitoring, um, and, uh, and, and creating policies to fight the radicalization of white men. The white men that introduced the 19th Amendment to give women a voice. The white men that fought the Ku Klux Klan. Right. Right. They fought them. And that was owned and operated by the Democrats. Wait a minute. It was also the white man that fought the Democrats to get the 1964 Civil Rights Act passed. Remember, the one that Biden didn't want. And it was the white man that abolished slavery, that white man, because they weren't talking about the liberal one. The liberals pretend they are not racist. They pretend to want unity and love. (laughs) They're very good at pretending. But at the bottom of it, at the source of it, they are the most racist. Remember that liberal woman standing in the park when the bird watcher told her, put your dog on a leash, and she immediately called him. Oh my God, there's an African-American man, and he's just he's, he's harassing me. You need to come here. Remember that? Yeah. That's what liberals are. That's what they are. They're terrified. Like the women, that, the woman that was pleading for them not to destroy her business, saying, I'm just like you. No, you're not. Because they have created an army of vicious people, paid them well to fight. Those are their foot soldiers. You're not going to be able to get anything past their foot soldiers. They do not care. They're getting a paycheck. And as far as they're concerned, you're between them and that money. That's the way it is. And until you realize that, you're constantly going to be living in fear. And that's not to my listeners. That's to those that are listening to me randomly thinking, oh, what is this white privileged woman saying? I'm not that white privileged. I'm not. I work hard for everything. Really hard. And right now with these lockdowns and these terrorizing the people, when's the country going to get back to work? It's like they don't want us to be able to provide for ourselves. You know, what's really weird is, is that Antifa, which I had written a really nice argument as to why they should have been domestic terrorists labeled a while ago. How are they having 501c status? Who gave them that status? In what universe did what they put down as their motto sound right to you? It's insane. It is insane. These people want communism, the ones that are pushing for it, right? And they want to have you obey. The mask was just the beginning. You know, the the media lied. The media said that the police were throwing, uh, you know, what was it, gas, right, tear gas? And they weren't. They were simply throwing smoke canisters, CNN, MSNBC, New York Times, and all the other insane mainstream media said it's tear gas. Who cares if it was tear gas? I'm okay with rounding all of them up. Tear them up. I'm fine. They've destroyed our cities. They've destroyed historical monuments. This is not okay. 
This is not okay. We should not allow this to be happening in our nation. We should not allow people like this to run amok because no one has the cojones to put their foot down. You want to blow things up. Come here. I got some zip ties with your name on it. That's how we're supposed to be dealing with it. So now what do we see? We're seeing a lot. We saw that General Flynn's judge, who wants to be judge, juror, and prosecuted all in one, he needed a lawyer, right, to file a document. Unprecedented. I mean, we haven't seen stuff like this ever. Like, ever. Like, what is going on? Never. It's so crazy. Now, protesting. Let's get, let's, let's get to this. So like the president said, we want to keep our right to protest. Protest meaning voicing our opinions. Now, let's be honest. In the day of 2020, going out and, you know, protesting at a rally um, is dangerous, especially if you're going for something like this, because it's kind of weird how a bunch of, well, wasn't it a couple weeks ago where a bunch of Ohioans and they had that picture where it looked like something from like a movie with zombies being attacked. They all had guns. They were armed to the teeth in Michigan too. Armed to the teeth. Not one person died. Not one business was looted. And in fact, Businesses were as usual as as usual as can be since everyone was on lockdown with coronavirus. Now one death, not one drop of blood, not one looter, nothing. Armed to the teeth. Some people had AR-15s and handguns and freaking grenade earrings, whatever. And nothing happened. And here they come all peaceful with their heat-resistant gloves, their goggles, their hair pulled back, masks, uh, you know, things to conceal their identity, and money. Apparently, um, they caught, aside from the bus, um, I heard from local enforcement that they caught a man, right, with a bag packed with cash, And they caught one of them. He was handing out money. These people are being paid. They're being paid to destroy your city because they're, they're using those bleeding Birkenstock wearing granola munching. Oh my gosh. I'm so sad that I'm white. I totally get it. You know, those, those types they're using their kind of idiocracy to their advantage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go protest. You must. Oh, yeah, I'll totally go because my black friend said so. And I must and I must. I I mean, I'll tell you what. I had a friend of mine, dear friend. I've known her for like all my life since we were kids, since since we could even speak. We would be hanging out every summer and she lives in Greece. She's a Greek. And, you know, I was just like, I, I posted something on my Instagram. She's like, what are you, it was so weird. Her comment, and it's so funny because it comes from her because she's so naive, but I love her. And she says to me, um, what are you doing? You should be standing with black people. You're the one that has all these black friends and stuff like that. You know, you should be totally with them. That person was shot. And I was like, what's your point, dude? This happens like every day around the world. There's a black man shot, one black man shot by a cop for every five white ones. No one comes out. 
And she was like, no, that's racist. I'm like, whoa. So I guess indoctrination has landed in Greece to my friend who's a philology. Well, she's actually a teacher. Uh, she teaches ancient Greek. So that's pretty, you know, interesting. Now, um, the one thing that I see is that a lot of us, the silent majority is upset and it's the silent majority that has guns and they're not going to stand for it. And so these agitators are going to push. They're going to agitate you. They're going to push you. They're going to come to your house. They're going to come to your doorstep. They're going to come to your car, right? They're going to come to your car. They're going to want to take you out because they want to push. So law enforcement needs to be stepping it up. If your mayor and your governor isn't doing it, then as a law enforcement officer, you have the right to communicate that to the federal government and tell them, we are told not to do anything. We can't do anything. That's what you have to do. That is exactly what you have to do. I mean, there is law and order in the state of Ohio right now. They got the National Guard everywhere. Everywhere. Any person that wiggles their tush and moves it out of position to organize or pull anything or do anything, they're, they're arrested. There's no questions asked. You're taken in. Then we'll ask the questions. Because you look kind of dodgy right there by the gas pipes. Looks like you had a... a you know, a bottle with some, I don't know, you know, piece of cloth hanging out of it. Maybe I'm a lot of, uh, why don't you come over here? I need to talk to you. This is how you push and you make sure things can get back to normal. The concern though is, is that why has the city of Cleveland closed down until Friday? Why is there curfew until Friday? Like you're not allowed out of your house after eight. It's like, what? So Why? Are they aware of any threats or are they just making bank on people not working and killing the economy more? Because since coronavirus didn't happen, just like that meme that I keep circling and seeing, uh, you know, release the racism. <laughs> there we go. Let's do the riots. And, you know, after all these riots, no one's sick. Hmm. Then coronavirus was a thing, huh? Was a thing for how long? That's it. That's the problem. It's like we're not seeing the bigger picture. Not, 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 not necessarily you, but the majority of the world is not seeing the bigger picture. The bigger picture is, is that they're trying to steal the elections. They're going to want to terrorize you into voting by mail. They want to make you scared to leave your house. Ask yourself. They have all these people out there threatening to kill you because a man was killed. And this isn't the first time it happens. But it's just for him, though. You know, he was a black man, so it counts more than the 10 white people that died that day at a cop's hand. I'm just saying. Counts more than the Native American blood that was shed by cops that took him out that day. Right? does. Apparently. So... They want you to feel fear, to not be able to leave your house. That's a big deal. That is a very big deal. Why are you terrorizing me? Why are you keeping me in my home? First, you told me that if I breathe the air outside, I'm going to die. Then you tell me it's going to survive on all surfaces and I must wipe them all down every couple of hours and wash my hands every five minutes. Stay six feet away from people. Wear a mask. 
terrorized me. This is it. This is what they did. They will stop at nothing. They will stop at nothing to maintain power. This is all they want is power. Listen to what the president said. My fellow Americans, my first and highest duty as president is to defend our great country and the American people. I swore an oath to uphold the laws of our nation, and that is exactly what I will do. All Americans were rightly sickened and revolted by the brutal death of George Floyd. My administration is fully committed that for George and his family, justice will be served. He will not have died in vain. But we cannot allow the righteous cries and peaceful protesters to be drowned out by an angry mob. The biggest victims of the rioting are peace-loving citizens in our poorest communities. And as their president, I will fight to keep them safe. I will fight to protect you. I am your president of law and order and an ally of all peaceful protesters. But in recent days, our nation has been gripped by professional anarchists, violent mobs, arsonists, looters, criminals, rioters, Antifa, and others. A number of state and local governments have failed to take necessary action to safeguard their residents. Innocent people have been savagely beaten, like the young man in Dallas, Texas, who was left dying on the street or the woman in upstate New York, viciously attacked by dangerous thugs. Small business owners have seen their dreams utterly destroyed. New York's finest have been hit in the face with bricks. Brave nurses who have battled the virus are afraid to leave their homes. A police precinct has been overrun here in the nation's capital, the Lincoln Memorial, and the World War II Memorial have been vandalized. One of our most historic churches was set ablaze. A federal officer in California, an African-American enforcement hero, was shot and killed. These are not acts of peaceful protest. These are acts of domestic terror. The destruction of innocent life and the spilling of innocent blood is an offense to humanity and a crime against God. America needs creation, not destruction. Cooperation, not contempt. Security, not anarchy. Healing, not hatred. Justice, not chaos. This is our mission, and we will succeed 100 percent we will succeed. Our country always wins. That is why I am taking immediate presidential action to stop the violence and restore security and safety in America. I am mobilizing all available federal resources, civilian and military, to stop the rioting and looting, to end the destruction and arson, and to protect the rights of law-abiding Americans, including your Second Amendment rights. Therefore, the following measures are going into effect immediately. 
First, we are ending the riots and lawlessness that has spread throughout our country. We will end it now. Today, I have strongly recommended to every governor to deploy the National Guard in sufficient numbers that we dominate the streets. Mayors and governors must establish an overwhelming law enforcement presence until the violence has been quelled. If a city or state refuses to take the actions that are necessary to defend the life and property of their residents, then I will deploy the United States military and quickly solve the problem for them. I am also taking swift and decisive action to protect our great capital, Washington, D.C. What happened in this city last night was a total disgrace. As we speak, I am dispatching thousands and thousands of heavily armed soldiers, military personnel, and law enforcement officers to stop the rioting, looting, vandalism, assaults, and the wanton destruction of property. And he's going to do that after they beg him to do that, to send them in there. Now, just so you guys know, a U.S. marshal was shot in the head outside of a federal courthouse in Las Vegas yesterday. That is insane. When is this going to stop? I don't know. Let's ask this representative who got caught on a hot mic. Take a listen to what he said. Then I didn't go down the list. And it's just too many folks here. I didn't have a primary one here. Say that again? I didn't have a primary one If I didn't have a primary, I wouldn't care. What? Representative Elliot Engel said that. He represents Bronx and Westchester counties of New York. He is, um, you know, um, on the House of Foreign Affairs Committee, you know, with with, um, Omar, of course. (laughs) Um, This is the guy that said that he wanted to launch an investigation into President Trump's firing of the State Department. The guy that said that he wouldn't care if he didn't have a primary. Did you hear that? You want to hear it again? Here we go. I didn't go down the list, and it's just too many folks here. I didn't have a primary one here. Say again? I didn't have a primary one here. Don't do that to me. We're not going to do this. We're not going to what? If I didn't have a primary, I wouldn't care. These are the people that are representing the left. They don't care if you die. They don't care that they're terrorizing you. All they care about is power, and he made that clear to you. So be alert and be ready because this is war. And this is why General Milley came out in his BDUs rather than his dress uniform yesterday walking to the chapel. I'll see you guys tomorrow with a special guest. Cyrus Parsa will be on with me tomorrow. Same time, same place, guys. God bless from all of us here at Red State Talk Radio. Yeah.